Welcome to TSX Quarterly, the podcast that brings you publicly available earnings calls from companies listed on the Toronto Stock Exchange in one convenient location. Gone are the days of looking through confusing websites. You'll find the important information right here. Enjoy the call. gentlemen, welcome to McEwen Mining's Q4 and year-end 2020 Operating and Financial Results Conference Call. Present from the company today are Rob McEwen, Chairman and Chief Owner, Ann Ladd-Kruger, Chief Financial Officer, and Peter Ma, Chief Operating Officer. After the speaker's presentation, there will be a question and answer session. If you would like to ask a question during this time, simply press star, followed by the number one on your telephone keypad. If you would like to withdraw your question, press the pound key. I will now turn the call over to Mr. Rob McEwen, Chief Owner. Thank you, Operator. Good morning and welcome. As many of you have observed, 2020 was a brutal year for us. We have been consumed by fixing the problems that were created in 2019. We invested in can-do people new systems to monitor our operations, and an exploration to build our future. We are now seeing a turn in our fortunes for the better. I'm pleased to say that for the first time in two years, our operations are finally delivering on guidance. January and February were right on target. I will now ask Hannah to talk about our financial results for 2020 and how we are very well positioned for 2021. Um, she will be followed by Peter, who will talk about how much of a transformation has been required and the progress made and the future we see. Anna, the floor is yours. Thank you, Rob, and good morning, everyone. Um, as we all know, it was an extremely challenging year in 2020, both financially and operationally at Mining. For Q4, uh, our 300% owned mines reported cash growth loss of 6.9 million and a growth loss of 13.7 million. For the year 2020, we just had a cash growth loss of 4 million and a growth loss of 27 million. We ended 2020 with a consolidated net loss of $152.3 million, the worst that the company has ever seen. I want to speak a little bit about the loss. Uh, in particular, 55% um, of this loss, it is a non-cash loss, was driven by the impairment of our gold bar mine. And on the back of the feasibility study we just released, if we were able to reverse some of that loss, we would be looking at approximately a $30 million reversal, where 35% of that original loss didn't have to be written down. And it's a subtlety, however, McEwen does report on U.S. GAAP, which does not allow us to do any impairment reversals. So we are not an IFRS reporter. But I thought that was important to highlight. Uh, also contributing to the loss. Um, is approximately $27 million uh, in support of our operations due to the challenges of 2020. GMA administrative costs of $9 million 
and we are required to record all of our advanced projects and exploration as expenditures, and that was an investment for the company of about 27.5 million, or 18 percent, according to the million dollar loan. Going forward into 2021, we did remove our going concern note, and today we have just under 50 million dollars in liquid assets. We also uh, extended our debt facility that was set to mature in, in August of 2021 to now August 2023 with the new partner, Spot Lending. We are fully compliant with all of our debt covenants. Subsequent to year-end, we also raised an additional $44 million, and we are now fully funded for our projects into 2021. The $20 million flow through funding that was raised in 2020 will be used over the next two years to accelerate generative exploration at our Fox complex in Northern where positive have are delivered, and Peter will speak to some of that. We also have $5 million exploration program earmarked at our Nevada operations this year. We expect improved performance at our operations after challenging 2020. We've had a busy Q4 and, and a Q1 with some important growth milestones ability to study for Phoenix and updated or update for the mine in Nevada. We are forecasting the 2020 gold equivalent production to be in the range of 141,000 gold equivalent ounces, which is approximately 23 to 40% increase over our 2020 production. As of today, we remain on track to this. In terms of our costs, I can say that they will improve from 2020. However, we will not be guiding costs at this point in time until we see our Q1 financial results. Thank you, and I will now turn the call over to Peter. Thank you, Anna. Uh, I would um, surmise and uh, summarize last 2020 as a colossal challenge. Uh, when I joined McEwen Mining a year ago, the backdrop was the start of uh, COVID-19 pandemic, um, a write down at Gold Bar imminent, Black Fox was underperforming while developing firm, and the financial health of the company was on life support. Not a pretty picture. Uh, Rob and the board asked me uh, why join McEwen Mining, and my answer was simple. We can fix it, and the asset base is strong to grow a major. Fast forward to today, uh, as Rob mentioned, 2021, pleased to report we are on plan for January and February. Uh, some highlights uh, at Black Box, uh, initially the uh, resource and reserve was expected to be completed in Q4 of last year. We've extended that into May of this year and the team keeps keeps working on its MineX program, drilling and, and adding resources. So we hope to continue that trend uh, through 2021. And Froome, I'm pleased to report, uh, as of today, we're 36 metres away from first ore. So in a matter of a week, we'll be uh, hopefully collaring uh, in on the first ore and, and hitting a very important milestone. Uh, Gold Bar, we've worked our way through um, the write-down of resources and the waste strip that was associated with that. And and updated the uh, feasibility, uh, you know, with six years of, of mine life and uh, just around 300,000 ounces of gold recovered. El Gallo remains on um, residual leach, and we've published the Phoenix feasibility report 
uh, early this year. Um, so taking a look at Vroom, um, this is an amazing um, uh, deposit for us. It's bridges uh, our gold production out of the Timmins area for two and a half years. Um, some of the benefits of Vroom, it's a very different deposit than Black Box. It's a disseminated uh, deposit that uh, a very wide intersections of 15 to 40 meters in stope width. Um, we're planning a transverse open stoping primary secondary with a little bit of longitudinal retreat. Um, it's it's got a good ground. Uh, it's a short haul. You know our decline has come in off the bottom of the pit at five percent. Um, we're achieving uh, our target um, development rates. Uh, and have an improvement program around that to try and advance and accelerate firm. Uh, we've purchased a tele-remote LHD, uh, so trying to take a, uh, advantage of, of technology. Uh, so this is a, a very uh, good deposit, low-cost low deposit. It, it'll form uh, part of the PEA uh, that we're working on on Fox Complex expansion, which brings me to that project. Uh, so the Fox Complex expansion will look at 100 to 150,000 ounces per year over 10 years. It has a resource base of over 3 million ounces of indicated resource and over a million uh, over a million inferred. Um, the we've been doing a lot of work uh, trade-off analysis on mining methods and approaches, and the the following areas are. Are going to um, are, are trending very positively to to the business case for the PA, and that includes Gray Fox, which is a 900,000 ounce indicated resource, about seven grams per ton. Uh, the Stock West deposit, which we're drilling, and expect to have a maiden first initial resource uh, with the PA, uh, which will come out uh, both the PA and the resource come out towards the end of Q2. The PA will also include the Furman Black Fox, which I've spoken about, and two deposits on the Timmins um, properties called Davidson, Tisdale, and Fuller. So um, bright days ahead uh, for the Fox Complex expansion and, and trending very well. Um, this year, uh, we're going to be working on focusing on delivery and continuing with the turnaround. It's a year transition for uh, some of our operations, and particularly... Um, uh, Black Fox, where we're ramping down uh, mining activities at Black Fox while continuing exploration drilling and ramping up um, the firm deposit. Uh, we're going to be working on a lot of the systems and people processes that go along with that to set up our foundations for a good, efficient um, company and operating practices. Um, in closing, I'd just like to say we survived the 2020, and we are well positioned to thrive in the years ahead. Thank you. Thank you, Peter. Uh, I want to talk now about the assets that we have, but uh, have been largely obscured by the weak operational performance in 2020. There are three important assets. Uh, and it was uh, as a result of, as I said, the weak operational performance in 2020 and the resultant need to do multiple financings 
um, that have really hidden these assets from view. First is our, our exploration success at our Fox complex and the resultant growth in the size of our resources there. And as Peter mentioned, in the second quarter, we will be release, releasing a preliminary economic study on how we see the future of this uh, Fox complex developing. And we think there's a good room. There's a large resource base in excess of 3 million ounces there. Um, there's the infrastructure to develop those ounces. And we believe that there's the potential to develop 100 to 150,000 ounces of annual production there with a life in excess of 10 years. And that will uh, become more visible in, um, as I said, in the second quarter. The other two assets have really come into the fore recently with the very large increase in the prices of silver and copper. Um, our copper project, which you've heard about before, is extremely sensitive to the price of copper. And with the uh, large increase, copper's gone from, um, in the last 12 months, from a low of $2.08 a pound to a high of just over $4.20 a pound and is currently around $4.10 a pound. It's had a powerful impact on the value of Los Azulis. And using the uh, preliminary economic assessment for Los Azulis that was completed in the summer of 2017, and looking at the net present value of this asset and applying an 8% discount to that calculation, Los Azulis now has a value of approximately $5 billion based on that PEA. Um, I can say that with the rise in the price of copper, we've seen uh, a number of people knocking on our door asking to take a look at the project uh, because it is a very large project, long life, 36 years, as it's currently modeled. And in the first 13 years, modeled to be producing 415 million pounds of copper. And when you include the silver and gold credits, uh, you have a projected cost of production of $1.14 a pound. Um, so right now we have a number of major mining companies in our data room looking at it, and this is a first in many years, <laughs> um, just underlying the interest in large copper projects by large companies. Um, and the next company that's within McEwen Mining, if you wish, is a silver company. And it's not well appreciated, but between our San Jose mine that produces, it's a very high-grade silver and gold mine, one of the highest in the Americas. Um, it's uh, producing silver and has a grade of just under 460 grams silver and 7 grams gold. Um, 
So if you combine that with our Mexican assets, the El Gallo asset, El Gallo Mine, and the Phoenix project, which has uh, we recently released a feasibility on it, and that has a potential for nine-and-a-half-year life, producing gold and silver. Now, if you were to put those two together, you would have a silver company that, when ranked against all the other public silver companies, would be uh, a mid-sized producer. And we've seen uh, at least one investment banker come along and suggest that we, uh, if we spun it out, it would have a value, a minimum value of $140 million. So th these two assets we think aren't getting real recognition in our portfolio, and we're pursuing a course to spin them out into two separate companies, a copper company with Los Azulis in it, along with a copper project we have in Nevada. So we would have two opportunities there. And putting San Jose and El Gallo Phoenix project into another company. Um, and I think with the growing demand for metals to fuel the move for um, the electrification of transportation, for the renewable energies, and also to support the growth and the demand coming from the emerging Asian market. We see a very bright future for both of those spin-outs and creating value. We would retain a, a large interest in both of those companies, but we could see a strong appreciation of those companies. So I just wanted to leave you with one last thought um, that we're very optimistic about the future, and, and that's definitely a turn for the better um, because last year was as I said at the beginning, brutal. Um, and if you look at our stock symbol, we have a tagline that we're going to strive to make it, and that is motivated, united, exceptional. Thank you very much for joining us today, and I'd now like to open the session for questions. Operator, back to you. Certainly, at this time, if you would like to ask a question, simply press star, then the number one on your telephone keypad. To withdraw your question, press the pound key. We'll pause for just a moment to compile the Q&A roster. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. 
Your first question comes from the line of Joseph Rieger from Roth Capital Partners. Your line is open. Hey, Rob and team. Thanks for taking the questions. Hi, Joe. Um, so, uh, first, too, uh, it's good to hear the optimism. Uh, it's a nice change. Um, and uh, on that note, um, with this, these potential spin-outs, like how far down the road are you on those? Uh, we've been looking at the tax implications and the best way to structure that. Uh, we have a draft prospectus on one of them. So it, it's a, a three- to four-month process. Okay. We're, 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 moving, we're moving down there. Um, we were a little consumed by getting uh, our year-end results out and, and making sure that uh, we were in a position where the auditors would agree to remove the going concern um, and having sufficient funds to carry us through this year on all of our projects. Okay. Um, on the cash guidance side, uh, uh, cash cost guidance side, I, I know you guys aren't giving guidance yet um, that's specific, but... Um, is it fair to assume that, you know, costs should be lower this year than last year? Um, and then in particular, the gold bar cash costs seemed pretty elevated in Q4. Any addition, additional color on why that was? Uh, it's all a, a function of we didn't produce a lot of gold, but we had the cost. Uh, this year we're looking to uh, our production increasing anywhere from 23% to 40%, um, and that would bring the cost down. I'll just ask Peter to elaborate on that. Yeah, thanks, Rob. Um, yeah, as Rob noted, uh, our top line ounces were down, and uh, the waste strip uh, was up. So um, we went through sort of an elevated waste strip period, uh, which was the result of the resource write-down. We lost some uh, resource blocks within the strip. Um, so we'll be coming through that uh, in in this year and coming out of uh, emerging from that. So we don't expect that to continue uh, for the life of mine, and and all those physicals and whatnot are in the feasibility for either. Okay, thanks. I'll turn it over. Thank you, Jeff. Once again, if you would like to ask a question, please press star then the number one on your telephone keypad. Your next question comes from the line of Heiko Ile from H.U. Wainwright. Your line is open. Hey there. Hello. Hey there. Thanks for taking my question. And I want to point out to you that I think you give yourself not enough credit for a year where life was tough for everyone involved with at least some of the headwinds you face, completely outside of your control. I mean, one of the things earlier on this call was the word used, uh, colossal challenge, and it was, but at least in my opinion, a good part of those circumstances were external and not really attributable to you guys. Um, that said, you state in your release that you'll reach room by the end of Q1. That's in, in 20 days, less than three weeks. Uh, well done, obviously. But uh, you also say that commercial production will be reached by Q4. Can you just provide a bit of color on your spending at room quarter by quarter until the um, – you know, cash flow and spending before you reach commercial production at the end of the year? Sure. I'll ask Peter to uh, answer that question. Yeah, I'll give the descriptions of 
how we're going to develop the deposit and maybe ask this color on the uh, cost for the hiko. Uh, and thank you for, for that. Um, even though things are out of our challenge, we try to, uh, try to do our job and, out of our control, I mean, and try to do our job to, to mitigate those risks. But appreciate the comment. Um, yeah, Bruma is a very exciting project here. We're actually, uh, probably a two, three weeks ahead of our plan of getting to first ore. There's a way. Um, what it'll look like is as the waste development can access the sub levels, which are currently about 25 meters apart, mm -hmm. um, we will be going in and filling out uh, on the ore in the primary and secondaries. Um, and so this first ore that I'm speaking about on these calls is our first panel uh, of our primary panel on the transverse sloping on the eastern side of the stoke. And we'll skip the secondaries and open up each primary panel. And so you'll, um, why we're talking about a commercial uh, our production in Q4 is that we've got to do those development headings in or continue with the waste accesses to the sub level and then gain top and bottom and, and obviously go in and drill these stopes out. So there's a, a ramp up process just simply around access uh, and getting um, where we are working at trying to color lots of you know ideas on the table that we're, we're working towards. Um, but uh, that, that's pretty much sort of the development cycle and um, we're hoping to bring that forward. That's, that's uh, actually thank you. Quite... On the cost side, I could get a bit, let's say six to about seven ish million every quarter until we reach commercial production. That being said, site uh, folks have, uh, are working with a contractor, you know, able to good savings. It's probably the, the lower end of that number that I just gave you. Got it. Um, and then can you walk us a little bit through the pricing that you're seeing for the treatment charges? Uh, you know, I, you, you hear all these nightmare stories out there, and I went into your 10K and I did a control F for treatment charges, and I saw exactly one result. Um, so um, am, I, am I missing anything? Is, is everything hunky-dory? And, and, and similar, what are you seeing with the duration and pricing for the results from assay labs and, and you know, cost? Uh, cost developments, assays, and uh, treatment charges, please. Yeah. So on the treatment charges, do you talk about the refining charges, or is that it's gold? So there isn't any sort of the charges. You no, the, refi the, yeah, the refining charges. Yes. Yeah. So I, I don't have that information. Um, you know, I they, they use quite competitive um, contracts with large refineries. One refinery, so we ability. To, uh, to move our sort of movements around. Um, but I can certainly follow up with you to get you some sort of clearer numbers. It's not something that I have uh, with me at the moment. It, it, it doesn't, it doesn't appear to be something that moves the needle too much if, if you don't, if you don't uh, have nightmares about it every night. It doesn't seem to be an issue. No. Not, well, it hasn't, hasn't really been. That, that, that's good to hear. I mean, we're we're going to be processing it at our mill at stock at the stock mill, um, all of frooms, and then we send it off to the refiners. And 
I'd say we have pretty much a standard rate that the industry gets. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely industry for sure. Excellent. Perfect. Thank you very much. Stay safe. Thanks, Michael. Once again, if you would like to ask a question, please press star, then the number one on your telephone keypad. Once again, that is star, then the number one on your telephone keypad. We will pause for just a moment to see if there are any further questions. Your next question comes from the line of Jeffrey Hall. Mr. Hall, your line is open. Hey, Rob. Yes, Jeffrey. Yeah, uh, Jeff Hall, I, I contacted you before. I'm a shareholder. Uh, first question, Rob, with uh, this possible spinoffs, how would that work with uh, the present shares that individuals would have? Uh, at the moment, it, it, there would be no change there. Um, okay. So you would, uh, I guess, say with your the, the possible spinoffs, you would have, you continue to have your uh, MUX shares, correct? And then would you yes, get, <laughs> then would you get shares of the spinoff also? Or? We haven't totally resolved that. At the, yeah, getting it out to shareholders becomes um, a little more difficult from a okay. regulatory standpoint. So at the moment, right. we're looking at holding it the shares. Uh, that we retain in those companies inside and Q and mining. Okay. Maybe at a later date we could do something with them. But hey, well, what's your feeling uh, on you know right now the uh, it's kind of like a manic uh, buying with Bitcoin. You know, uh, you know as the new digital gold. You know, and I tried to I tried to research that and the hash rates and all this. I mean, I have trouble just uh, figuring out how to tip a pizza delivery man, let alone all this, you know, mathematical mining. Uh, what's your feeling on that? Do you think there's room for both? Uh, you, either you're going to be a gold holder or a Bitcoin? or well, I guess all of us who haven't bought Bitcoin a couple of years ago wish we had it. <laughs> right, right, right. Um, uh, Where is its role? I, I think it's there's a generation that sees the problem uh, the that the governments are creating by expanding right. their their monetary base, and, and Bitcoin can be easily transacted over a phone, um, whereas gold's a little more difficult to move around. Right. I think at the moment, gold has um, a lot of central banks retain gold as a monetary asset, part of their reserves, uh -huh. but they lease that gold out to investment banks and other and to gold mining companies indirectly. Um, and so people can come up with all sorts of derivatives on gold, which we right. see today. And the paper gold market is much bigger than the physical gold market. Um, when the date comes that they have to uh, return that gold, uh, then we should see gold starting to move. But right now, <clears throat> the whole market's enamored with digital. And right. uh, it assumes there will always be something to borrow. Um, 
Right. There will be a day that comes when it's going to become very difficult to borrow, and that'll send the price of gold much higher. Yeah, I think the governments will eventually regulate. You know, I believe in the blockchain technology, but I think governments are going to finally regulate this. Uh, but, you know, when you have two individuals like Michael Saylor and then uh, Elon Musk that can move 5,000 either way, you know, with their you know, massive buys uh, of Bitcoin. But, uh, and anyway, it's just, uh, you know, I've been a shareholder since 2016. It's been such a disappointing, uh, just been a big disappointment in, of the gold miners. And, you know, I know you're trying, but it just, uh, it's, you know, it's so frustrating. At least for me as a shareholder, for, you know, when we had a price up at $4 and you're, you're paying a small dividend and, you know, you didn't have any debt. Now we're, you know, it just seems like you're every uh, quarter report. There's always something wrong, you know, no excuse or whatever. And I don't know, it's just getting frustrating. And, you know, but anyway, I hope hope you can uh, turn it around. You've been saying it for two years. It's going to get better, and we're still it's still there. But anyway, uh, that's my two, I, that's I my two cents. <laughs> well, I think. <laughs> Those two cents are shared by everyone who's a shareholder of the company. It's yeah. been a very difficult period. Um, we do have yeah. um, we, we have rebuilt management, and we are starting to see early signs of a, a turn, at least from operations. January and February are on target. So, yeah. as I said, that's the first time in two years. Um, yeah. And we've. The feasibilities we put out, there's some growth there. Um, metal prices, particularly copper and silver, have really soared in the last year. And, uh, right, right. I think we can realize value there. It uh, really hasn't surfaced yet. Is there any benefit, Rob, you know, with now the electrification of the cars and the co- of, of really concentrating on what those Azules, putting more uh, – yeah, more concentration in developing that, the copper. Or... Our, our challenge has been when the operations didn't deliver as much gold, uh-huh. it put us in, in jeopardy of breaching our debt covenant. And that I caused see. us to do a number of financings that were at prices right. I really right. didn't like. But we didn't have a lot of choice. Okay. Um, right. And so we've refinanced the debt pushed out the maturity on it by two years up to August of 23. Mm-hmm. We turned around and uh, have altered the working capital requirements, so some of the covenants, so it buys us more room. Um, the auditors took off the going concern uh, qualification on our financial. And right now we're in a position where we have adequate cash to take us through the year and uh, which is investing in our growth and future cash flow. I'd, yeah. I'd like to get back to where the day where we're paying the dividend. Um, when yeah. I was running Goldcorp, we got rid of the debt after a couple of years and then uh, started paying a dividend monthly. Um, right. Well, well, anyway, that's all. Yeah, I appreciate you taking my call. I know I was probably taking too much time, but 
you know, it's just kind yeah. of, you know, good luck. And Peter, I hope you can <laughs> help turn it, turn this around. Um, I know I'm getting wary of holding on to, the, you know, bulk of my chairs. But uh, anyway, oh, thank hey, you. thanks a lot and good luck. Okay, and I hope I hope you can turn this thing around. <laughs> Anyway, I'll let you go. Sorry I'm rambling, but um, have a good day. Anytime, Jeff. Okay, thanks a lot. Thank you. Thank you very much. Yeah, Jeff, I know you signed off, but I'm confident we can do that, and uh, we're setting up, as I mentioned earlier, the the foundations towards that. Um, So we have some very exciting things ahead, but uh, it's still a tough year this year, and we're not losing sight of that. And uh, protecting shareholder value and, and delivering on what we say we're going to do. Thank you for your feedback. Your next question comes from the line of Joseph Perullo, a individual investor. Your line is open. Hello, Joseph. Good, Good morning, everyone. Um, maybe I came on a little late, so maybe I missed this, but it, has the government of Argentina or the, the provincial government um, made any overtures or working with you to get a road or any other infrastructure. Um, it seems like it's um, – well, I, I can remember buying Monera Andes in 2003 for that property. That was a, long, a while ago and became a MUX shareholder sort of through that process and has been a shareholder for a while. Um, so, you know, Los Azures has been a, a tremendous discovery and nothing else for a very long time. And it seems like it's – almost like the place that can never be, you know, uh, gotten to by any miners. So what are you doing to, to really try to get a road there, and, and will that be the sort of linchpin that gets this project moving forward? Um, thank you. Well, like yourself, I believe a road that would allow us 12-month access would be very beneficial to the development of the project. Um the Argentinian government to date has not felt that the road is a qualified investment in mining. Hmm. Um, they don't seem to understand that you need to be able to get there 12 months of the year rather than our current situation, which is five months of the year. You could probably try to keep the road open in the winter, but you have to cross two mountain passes at 4,4200 meters. There's switchbacks up and down. And I'm quite certain there would be loss of equipment and life during the winter trying to navigate that road. Um, during the period you've been a shareholder, Joseph, we've also seen the copper price gyrate. And uh, we've seen it much higher than it is today and significantly lower during that period. And so the interest in the property, along with some of the uncertainties, uh, uh, geopolitical issues, have um, we've seen the interest go up and down with the price of copper and the uh, developments within the country. Uh, The reason for talking about spinning it out is that that would allow us to raise the funds to uh, adequate to advance the project to a feasibility study, and uh, and then beyond that, 
to production. But, but the issue is if you can spin it out all you want, it still needs a road. <laughs> and, that's a, and the infrastructure seems is, is just cost prohibitive. So how is the spinoff going to be successful if the sort of, you know, infrastructure costs dwarf? Um, it will give the it, the spin-out, we would be able to raise money and fund the development of that road. If you've watched our financials, we have not been in a position to undertake a lot of projects um, beyond yeah, our... I, I guess the issue, I'm sorry, Rob. The issue is how much is the road? That, that's sort of the unknown to me as an investor. I, I, I don't have a sense of how much it would cost to build that road. Um, we've, well, as a what might be called a pioneer road or just a four-wheel track road, it would be in the neighborhood of five to eight million, we've heard. But there's a section of the road that is, no one's really sure how much it's going to cost to build. There's a about a 15-mile strip of very steep terrain. Um, we've done a lot of studies and had a road construction company looking at it and coming up with an assessment, and they keep coming back and saying, well, we won't know until we get there how much we have to blast <laughs> the side of the mountain to get in. <clears throat> it's a thought. It's, it's, it's a um, I'm from I'm from Boston, Rob. So I know the big dig. Um, you know, thing started off with under- small problem. <laughs> <laughs> that went underground. Yeah, we're trying exactly. to stay. We're trying to stay above ground and on it uh, to build a, uh, a production road. Uh, then you're getting into the thirty, forty million dollars. Got it. All right. Well, that helps. Um, that shouldn't be cost prohibitive to getting somebody to help you out with that, I hope. And uh, I wish you guys all the luck, um, you know, long-term holder and remain so. Thank you very much. I'm a big believer Thanks. in the road as well as a priority. <laughs> Thank you. Good luck. You're welcome. There are no further questions at this time. Mr. Rob McEwen, I turn the call back over to you. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, we look forward to giving you exploration results and uh, the results of our Fox Complex preliminary economic assessment in Q2. All the best in your investments. Thank you very much. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Thank you for listening to TSX Quarterly. If you enjoyed the cast, remember to leave a good rating. And remember, for any additional inquiries, please consult the company's investor relations section on their website. See you next time.